Welcome to Orbital Times Podcast, and hello to everyone, whatever part of the globe you're from or happen to reside in. My name is Kelly Joe, and here we'll provide armchair conversations gathered from interviews and research reviews to explore the seen, the unseen, and the in-between of the supernatural paranormal phenomena, with topics that circle around spirit orbs, NDEs, OBEs, UFOs, time slips, mystical moments, higher consciousness, and more. I hope that this cast will be our meeting place and judge-free zone where we can explore, learn, and grow through the telling of. This cast will be launched on a monthly basis or a bi-weekly schedule whenever I'm able to make contact with those in the know for their telling of. Speaking of those in the know and the telling of, have you had mystical moments or other supernatural paranormal experiences? Care to share on this cast? Then consider stepping into the light with your telling of or send in your monologue for me to read on this podcast. Simply email orbicaltimespodcast at gmail.com for a chance to contribute to this cast. And it was the face of an owl, a symbol that was glowing. Then that one left, another one appeared, an eagle. It was a gold, the same colouring, the same size, a symbol of an eagle, although it was flying, so I could see the wings moving. And then it disappeared, and then a third one came, and it was a, a UFO. In this 14th episode of Orbital Times, Gillian Osborne joins me from the UK to share for the first time her telling of some of her PMS, Paranormal Mystical Supernatural Experiences, which circle around seeing mist forming at the foot of her bed, having a mystical moment with her dad as he reached out from the other side in a dream to a then potentially dangerous situation involving a stove, crouching gargoyles, OBEs, owls, and oh, did I tell you about Bigfoot? All this and more. And so, without further ado, here is that interview. Jill, or Jillian, a warm welcome to you, and thank you for being on this cast to share in your telling of. Thank you so very much. <laughs> you're, quite, you're quite welcome. So if you'd like to begin with your telling of starting with an early supernatural paranormal encounter. Sure. Um, when I was maybe 10, 10 and a half, I lived abroad and lived in Kuwait at the time uh, because my parents were working there. One evening, I think my parents were out and I had a childminder to come and, and stay and look after me. And I'd gone to bed as normal. And I think I was lying there, I suppose, just waiting to fall asleep. And I noticed it spiraled very slowly. I can remember clearly watching it and being absolutely frozen in fear. It was a white mist um, that you could see in the dark. So it must have been translucent in some way it just spiraled all the way down and these are quite high ceilings you know maybe 12 foot something like that they're very big spacious airy apartments there and as it spiraled down it disappeared past the end of my bed and I was frozen in fear I'd never felt that way before I could feel my heart racing and then there was a tug there was a tug on my foot and I shot out of bed and ran <laughs> ran full force into the living room to see this you know the the childminder and I think my mum actually I spoke to her later on well more recently actually about this she remembers me telling her what had happened 
and she thought that the childminder was a witch. <laughs> she remembers the story of me, me saying this mist had come down. And from that, I've recollected other scenarios that had happened earlier. And there was one in particular. Um, I must have been seven or eight living in Glasgow in Scotland. And we lived in a really old Edwardian flat or an apartment. It was a ground floor apartment. The architect who designed Glasgow designed New York as well. So if you look at those brownstone buildings you have in New York, it's very similar from sandstone. Every room was very, very big, huge rooms. Every room had a fireplace and things like that. And I can remember lying in my bed at nighttime in the dark and seeing a gargoyle-like creature at my doorway. And it was crouched down like a, like a gargoyle, like, like a little demon just sitting at my door. Wow. And was it about the same size as a statue? I, I'd say a foot crouching. It was crouched in, in the doorway in the dark. And it's not the first time I've seen it. <laughs> oh, do tell. Yeah. Um, well, this, this came in a dream much, much later on. I don't even know if it was a dream. I was having what you would call a lucid dream. Mm -hmm. And it felt like I'd come out of my body. And sometimes you have flying dreams, you know, and they're fantastic. And I was really excited that I was going on this flying journey. And then as I came out or up into the space of the, the roof of the, the bedroom, there was this creature sat in the door. And I couldn't go any further. And so I went back into my body and got up. <laughs> I woke up. And did you automatically, do you recall if you looked at the door to see if that was there? Yeah, I, yeah it, it drew my eye instantly. I knew it was there. It drew, drew my eye. I looked straight away and it was just sitting there right at the door. And the feeling of doom that you get, this, this fearful, paralyzing fear, um, sent me back out of my dream. <laughs> well, I'm going to pull you forward. Uh, and then we'll circle back to, to the time slot that you're now in. Since then, have you done research on that? Uh, um, no, I haven't. I, I didn't really want to. I didn't really want to know what they are. But I knew it was some sort of being that's um, preventing me from going further. But maybe that was a good thing. Yes. Well, that was that's another thing that you would consider that it wasn't meant to be at the time. I've I've had other dreams not like that. I I dreamt. It, it's not dreaming. It, I can say dreaming, but it's not dreaming. It's coming out of your body in mm -hmm. in a half state of awareness. Well, no, you're very aware of what's happening, and seeing this being that I can only describe as looking like a tree. And I was raised up off the bed, and in my head, I said telepathically I, I'm afraid I'm scared and I was put back down again and I really regretted saying that because I really wanted to go <laughs> now the the state that that you uh, may have been in do you ever equate it to an OBE or an out-of-body experience um that one yes yes but because afterwards there's been another one since then that one was in 2017 I came out of my body during an, an afternoon nap but it's not really a nap it's 
you're half awake, half asleep. You, you're aware of your surroundings and what's going on. Um, that one definitely felt more like a dream. Although I woke up straight afterwards and recalled it instantly. And you're kind of in awe of what's happened because it's not a dream. And yeah, so I'd say an out-of-body experience of sorts because it comes along with other physiological signs. So you can feel in your organs. I can only describe it as like um, pins and needles. It's a little bit painful, actually, but a sort of pins and needles in your organs uh, when it seems to happen. Do you recall seeing yourself laying down on the bed? No, no. Straight up and then straight to the door or straight up and seeing the being, but being aware of being light. And when you step back, if you will, into your everyday reality, do you remember going back into your body or was it just a I'm awake now feeling? Uh, It feels like I'm just awake now. Yeah. So I I pulled you forward. Did you want to go back to when you were uh, younger? Yeah, yeah, sure. I've had, there's a number, well, I suppose younger. Yeah, there's another um, one from Kuwait, actually, um, where the buildings there are staccato, do you call it? Um, So very white buildings, uh, very square, flat roofs. And on the roofs, I think because there's no rain, on the roofs um, is where the generators are and where the air conditioning blocks are and things and I used to go up there uh, to play um, because it was a kind of gated community and I was up there one evening probably catching locusts or something crazy like that that's what I like to do and um, I can remember lying on my back looking at the stars it was a crystal clear night and I saw um, two red orbs extremely bright red orbs and I, I can remember lying, looking at them, thinking, I'm, I'm sure that's not a satellite. I'm not sure what it is. And they just slowly, two of them went over my head and passed over the apartment block. Do you remember how old you were? I was, that was the same. So I was 10 and a half, okay. something like that. And um, because we, we left there when I was 11, something like that, because Gulf War One broke out. And, of course, we had to evacuate and we lost everything there, you know. Um, Are you comfortable with giving a backstory to that? Sure. Um, The backstory of Kuwait is we moved there when I was eight. Um, We had really a wonderful life there. It's a fantastic place to live. Um, We were a big um, sort of, we were part of a big group of the expat community and like I said, I was there till I was 11 at school there. And we actually, my mother and I and my younger brother went on holiday to Australia to visit my uncle um, in the August, I think it was. And while we were on holiday, the war broke out and my dad was left there. And all of a sudden the telephone lines were cut. There was no mm. communication. We lost access to money, all the the funds, the banks, everything was closed. And so we were in a real quandary. Um, We managed um, through help from family and friends to get back to the the UK. And we we didn't hear from my dad for four months. Um, Wow. Yeah, he had to go into hiding. And uh, he was discovered in Iran. (laughs) 
Well, that's almost a whole other podcast. Yeah. When you when you say he was discovered, I know we're we're sidestepping here, but um, what do you mean by that? So he's he's actually my stepfather, and he is Iraqi. So he's Iraqi with British national uh, nationality. He's um, a cancer consultant oncologist, um, and so when the war broke out he was deemed an enemy by both sides. And so I think through friends and luck, I have no idea, he escaped in a limousine dressed as a chauffeur and was given uh, false documentation to get into Iran. And then this was actually, there's a, there's a newspaper article about this. I was in, I was in the newspaper and so was my mum in the, the, the Telegraph newspaper in Greenock, which is in Scotland. And they came and interviewed us when we discovered that where he was and he was coming home. Do you still have a copy of that? Um, I ha- no, but I'm sure I could find the archives. But the, the, the Greenock Telegraph is a very small newspaper for a very small town. Um, so I'm sure the archives will be there or my mum might have a copy somewhere. It's interesting. I'm sorry to have taken you off your, no, probably no, your train fine. of thought. I don't know. It's, it's just, kind of it, relevant. It, it, it just goes with the flow. I think um, I've had quite a traumatic life and I think that really does have a connection to these yeah. things. I think um, having trauma in your life makes you empathetic to others and empathetic to, I mean, yeah, empathetic um, to your surroundings, to the people around you um, and maybe helps you look deeper into things. I'm not sure. Um that's how it feels anyway, that having some sort of trauma in your life helps you to see see things more clearly. Well, I guess you can gain a perspective having been through something, you know, an an empathy uh, for others that are going through things. Absolutely. Especially similar situations. Yeah, absolutely. Does your mom or your brother or any other uh, family members that you're aware of have they also experienced supernatural paranormal experiences? Yes. My my mum has had experiences, I think, all her life. She told me of when she was younger. She was born in, in Greenock um, in Scotland, and her father was from Skye. Um, and her, her mum, my grandmother, was from, from Greenock, you know, and they lived in a, um, a it's called a maisonette, so it's a, a two-storey building and kind of bungalows on top of one another she had a a park behind her house and behind her bedroom and through the night she could hear children playing and she'd cry and get upset and my granddad used to have to sit in her room with her so she could get to sleep Um, and she would hear them bouncing a ball and being right directly outside of her bedroom window I think also in that bedroom she said um, that she woke one night and she had a big mahogany old style wardrobe yep. um, at the right hand side of her room. And she saw this white shape in front of it. And she thought it was either the moonlight or that she had a white coat that was hanging um, on the doorknob of the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she remembered it in the morning when she woke. And of course, there was nothing there. There was no white coat. And she couldn't work out what it was. How about um, your brother? My my brother, he seems to pick things up when he's around me. 
Um, so he's 10 years my junior. And whenever he comes to stay, he senses something that's in the house um, that maybe I haven't noticed. Um, this was similar to the gargoyle. Um, I lived in Corsham during my sort of military years. Um, and we, we lived in um, armoured quarters, the sort of military um, married quarters. And he had come to stay for a little while. I think my husband had gone to Falkland Island. And I can remember lying in my bed and seeing this dark shadow in the corner of mm -hmm. my bedroom, up high, the left-hand corner of my bedroom. Um, and my brother had said, Jill, earlier on in the day he had been emptying the boot of her car and he heard my voice speak to him and when he turned around there was no one there a mimic yeah and um he came in and he told me straight away that I was talking to him and he said Jill I turned around you weren't there he said the hairs in the back of my neck have gone up <laughs> yeah said, what, what have you got in here and that afternoon I think I was pregnant at the time with my eldest child um, and I was lying on my bed and I could see this this dark shadow up in the corner of the room. Um, and that's when I started, I, you become aware of it. All of a sudden, you might not have noticed its presence. And I do tend to walk around my rooms and say, please leave. You're scaring me or you, you might scare my children. Can you can you go or go into the light? Because I don't, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to get rid of these things that are that are scary when you're on your own and it only seemed to appear when I was on my own the same thing happens in our house in Hereford as well um, and the same thing happened to my brother where he was spoken to in my voice in the same house as you not in a, not in a separate house he wasn't so, hearing your voice like in no, his own space no he was in my house he was visiting and yeah. he'd hear my voice Yes, I understand that. We had that happen here at this house, too. Wow, really? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, something very similar happened with my ex-husband and I. We had gone to visit my grandmother in Greenock, um, and my mother had warned me that the back bedroom was haunted and not to sleep in it because she had slept there, and it was actually where my father had died. My father died there when he was 22 of um, a brain tumour. Oh, my. Yeah, it had taken about, I think, three years. And um, conversely, my mother was studying radiotherapy at the time. Um, so to treat cancer. Um, so he was very, very young. And after he passed, she had gone to stay there with my gran. And she saw, I think on one occasion, she saw an old lady sitting at the end of the bed um, she didn't say anything. She just sat there very quietly. And my mother was petrified and shut her eyes and pretended she couldn't see it. And on another occasion, my dad appeared to her in the same room, sitting on the end of the bed. So she said, don't stay in the back room. Um, so my husband at the time and I um, decided to sleep in the front bedroom. There was a pull down bed. I had my son with me, you know, and we went to bed one evening and we'd just been sitting chatting, you know, and decided to go to sleep. And he was on my left side and I was facing the right. I was lying on my side and a voice came between our heads, mm -hmm. low down, right in between our heads and just said, 
Hi. Oh, <laughs> good one. <laughs> well, I've never seen anyone move so fast. He jumped out of the bed like a jack-in-the-box. He propelled himself across the room and switched the light on. And he, he had said to me, what did it say? And I said, hi. And he went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he was like crazy. And I was sitting there kind of elated, like, oh, my God, it's real. There's something else. There's another. There's a parallel. There's, there's something there's something else. Um, and so I really, I was, I was smiling and he was absolutely petrified. And then, of course, later on, as the days went on, he convinced himself that he'd fallen asleep and he had spoken in his sleep and it was him that had done it. Of course. Of course. That's a great telling. I believe that you had mentioned, speaking of having things happen in your surroundings, that you had an encounter I don't know, of the uh, dangerous kind, uh, where your stove turned Oh, gosh, on. yes, yes. So I'm an early riser, um, and I like to get up and do things before the kids get up, before we have to get ready for school and things like that. Um, and I had gone downstairs, you know, in my, in my dressing gown, putting the kettle on, going in the fridge, emptying the dishwasher, and all of a sudden I smelt the hot smell of a stove there's definitely a, a smell to it mm-hmm. and as I turned and looked the stove was on so it's um it's not so much the electric coil it's under the glass okay so, so it yep. glows very bright red instantly and it was on and it wasn't just on number one it was on number six and the stove is low down um it's not something high up and and I went oh that's that's strange did I do that and I I couldn't remember and I was like did I why would I do that so I switched it off never really thought anything more about it and carried on with my day and then the next morning I was up again and this time I hadn't walked near the cooker and I had gone to the fridge opened the door and I could smell the smell again. The hairs on the back of my neck rose right up. I turned and looked, and there was an, a, it was on again, but a different hob this time. A different switch had been turned. I just, it gives me goosebumps now thinking about it. So I switched it off, and I switched it off at the wall, and I thought that this isn't happening again. I'm not going to allow it to happen. But I tried to walk past the cooker to try and catch maybe my pockets to see if it would turn and there was absolutely nothing I mean this is a click you know you've really got to click 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 all the way around to number six to get it to come on as hot as it did I, I actually I phoned my mum and told her and I thought because it happened in two days I mean I really thought I'd lost the plot and that I'd come downstairs and put the cooker on Mm. and I don't use the cooker we don't we don't have the kind of um coffee in the morning you know I'll boil a kettle we don't you don't go near the cooker in the morning and so it was so bizarre um and I really thought have I come down and done that and I can't remember and I thought is there something wrong with me (laughs) I really thought there was something wrong with me And then after that, I was filling up the the kids' water bottles for school. And, you know, my kids, they're boys. 
I don't know how many water bottles they've lost. It's a bone of contention um, and something that, you know, irritates me because I've bought about 20 of them. And so I stood at the sink filling these water bottles with the lids beside me. And then when I turned around to put the lid on, the lid was gone. <laughs> and I hunted and hunted under the table, under the chairs. And I said, where, where is it gone? Um, and then I said to my eldest son, I said, have you seen the lid for this? And I, but I was sure I had. I said, have you seen the lid for this bottle? No, no. So we had to get another one. And four days later, my son saw it actually. And it was sat in a plant pot in the living room. And that really started to get me a little bit fearful. Um, I don't know if it's the fear of the unknown or something escalating where I wouldn't be able to cope with it anymore. So another morning after the kids had got in the car, um, I said to them, oh, I'll be back in a minute. And I went back into the, the house and back into the kitchen. And I just said out loud, um, you're scaring me. Um, you're, you're going to scare my, my kids. Um, can you please leave and, and move on? And after that, it, it stopped happening. Because I, I don't I don't know, maybe a trickster, but I also, um, uh, directly across the street from me, there's um, a hospital, there's a community hospital. And I think there's a lot of old folks in there. Um, <laughs> and I wondered sometimes if maybe someone had passed and they come through um, and that they, I don't know, maybe make some sort of connection with me and come into the house and then has, have to be told to move on. I'm not sure if that's what it is. Just going to uh, clarify uh, some things. Your cooker is your stove, correct? Yes. Your burners, the mechanism that turns on and off the different burners, it's electric, but it's in the front part of the stove. You don't have to reach over the burners in order to turn on your stove. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So that's why you were wondering, could could you have snagged it or a piece of clothing yes. snagged it yes. and turned it on? Yes. But, but like you said, you really got to push in those things in order you, for, for them yeah, to turn you on. Can't, you can't. I tried so many times and that's when I really, I was really questioning my sanity because nothing has ever happened like that. Mm -hmm. It was so physical. It was so in your face. It was so the, the smell of the hot burner coming on and having no idea and turning and looking and seeing it on and wondering what the heck's going on. Was that incident or incidents in the same time frame as the water bottles? And if so, did you feel it was the same energy? Yes, it was the same time frame, very close together. And yes, I thought it was the same energy, definitely. Did you feel that, did it feel familiar? But I'd hope you wouldn't try and scare me. <laughs> and, and I think we briefly discussed that, that sometimes we think that, oh, something paranormal or supernatural just occurred and it didn't really feel good. And it it's out of the ordinary for most people, most yeah. of the time. So I think our brains automatically go to, oh God, something awful's just happened. Instead of maybe thinking, hey, have you been trying to get my attention for like a yes. long time? Yes, because yeah. so much, so many times after I've said, can you leave because I'm fearful, I mm -hmm. really regret it. I really regret it. And I wish it would come back. It's the strangest feeling. It's much like the, the UFO experiences, fearful of something because it's the unknown. 
um and then later on you understand how fantastic it was right you want it to happen again yes and speaking of the ufo experiences which is a conversation we'll have in part two (laughs) before that are there any other paranormal or mystical experiences that that you'd like to discuss maybe perhaps speaking of your your dad earlier I think you mentioned he came to you in a dream there was definitely a dream so I, I sometimes you know um I'm on my own with with my two boys it can get lonely and overwhelming and I try and reach out to the spirit world and really sometimes asking for my dad to show up. And so I would talk out loud, ask to see him, ask to meet him. And on one occasion, and this is the only occasion really that it's been so solid, um, that in my dream, there was a phone ringing. And I think it was a mobile phone. It, it, there was a phone ringing and I couldn't quite get to it fast enough. But when I did get to it, there was a message on the machine and the message was a man and he had a very strong Scottish accent who my dad was Scottish and it was I can't get to you right right now I can't be there right now what was your takeaway from that my takeaway when I woke up was that my dad had communicated with me in my dream absolutely and that he sounded very distant and I thought perhaps he's living in another life right now that's kind of a a thought that crossed my mind that he's already reborn and so that would have been perhaps his consciousness reaching out because I was reaching out to him and it came in a dream I'm not sure if he would be in spirit form or reborn which is why I struggled to believe that it's him coming to visit with um, these little trickster things happening mm-hmm. because sometimes it feels like he's already in another life because there hasn't been connection some people believe that our energies can be more than one place at, at yes, one time yes 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 mm-hmm. ab- absolutely because if you have a connection I mean th- there's only one consciousness is, is how I believe and so you can be everywhere at once, really. Um, and so perhaps um, that these are all connected because I have always reached out to my dad because I really felt like I missed something monumental having him in my life. You had mentioned something now about an owl. Yeah, that was in 2017. That was an out-of-body experience where it was the afternoon. I think I had the day off. I might have been at university at the time. And I decided to have a nap on the couch, which really was unlike me. I was really very, very, very tired, exhausted. Um, And I lay down on the couch, not on my side or anything. I I had my head quite far up on the back of the couch. um, And I fell asleep almost instantly. And then almost instantly came out of my body. It was very quick. And I had the vibrating in my kidneys it was right in in both sides of my back um a very very strong vibration nearly painful and i thought what is going on am i going to die what's happening is it a kidney stone (laughs) yeah absolutely and i'm lying there but asleep but thinking i don't know how to relay that you're you're asleep but you're thinking logically what is this 
Mm-hmm. And I felt it in that sort of state before. It's a half awake, half asleep state. I can't describe it any other way. And I came out of my body about a foot. And then this glowing gold symbol appeared. It came from the right, right into my line of vision. It was about four inches round the diameter. Well, the circumference and the diameter was about four inches. It was the face of an owl. It was a symbol that was glowing. That one left and another one appeared. And Mm -hmm. this was an eagle. It was a gold, the same coloring, the same size, a symbol of an eagle, although it was flying. So I could see the wings moving and then it disappeared. And then a third one came and it was a, a UFO. Your your cartoon kind of UFO, um, the saucer shape with holes round it as if there were lights there and the, the top of it, you know, like a spinning top, spinning top shape. And it was gold. It was the same size. And then it went off. I went back down into my body. I sat up and I thought, what the hell was that? And I had to write it down. I was so intrigued. I was so moved. I had to go and write it down instantly. And I mean, it sounds like I'm you not... actually had an, an out-of-body experience. I think so, because I, I, I've tried meditation. Trust me, I have tried to meditate. I'm not sure if I have ADHD or something like that, but my mind does not shut up. And there is no meditation for me. I've tried all, my, all, all sorts of times, all sorts of techniques, and it really hasn't done anything for me. So this state um, was, is really, you're kind of just between awake and asleep. There's a center part. Because I've had lucid dreams most of my life, I really wanted to reach that place. So there was a wanting. Because when you're in that place, you really remember everything. It's, it's not like a dream and you wake up and you forget. You can't right. forget this. It's different. It's very different. Um, and I was conscious of that state. And sometimes I'll go to bed thinking I want to fly tonight, you know, and I'll fly. It, but it was really bizarre that I was so exhausted. I felt like I was called to sleep. It happened very quickly. It must have hmm. been, you know, 15, 20 minutes. The symbols came across my line of vision and then I was put back down and sat up and I was awake. Wow. <laughs> that truly is a really mystical experience. Mm. It felt it felt that it was and it felt like I should record it to remember it. Okay. And have you explored those themes? I know that we briefly um, spoke about the owl and the UFO. And I was telling you that some people believe there's a connection did you explore some of those symbols? I did. Mm-hmm. I did have a look. Well, the UFO, I think, was self-explanatory. <laughs> but the, the, um, the owl, I think I already had some pre-knowledge of owls being a representation of UFOs or other beings. Um, and I have had sightings of real-time owls as well the snowy owl here in the UK, or it's no, in fact, I think it's called the barn owl. Yes. The, the barn UK, owl. Yeah. The UK barn owl is underneath is white, entirely white. And they are silent and they'll fly in front of your field of vision. 
and you know it's quite a rarity because they really are out in the sticks out in the farms mm-hmm. and around that time as well I saw two of them and they crossed my path while I was driving it draws my attention that's what it does it draws my attention that something is occurring I'm not sure how to explain that aliens or <laughs> I don't like using that word um or other beings I can imagine that perhaps I was being sent a message for what was about what was going to happen Mm. Um, and that the reason there was such a time gap between like 2017 and 2019 when it actually happened um, is because maybe they don't deal in time you know I agree with you (laughs) (laughs) time moves differently yeah. yeah, I think so. I think that um, they, they're not running on the same timeline as we are, and they may not even have one at all. Are there any other paranormal or supernatural experiences that you'd like to um, um, wrap up with? Oh, there was one more. All there, right, bring it on. There's just one more. I was five months pregnant with you and my eldest son, mm-hmm. and we were living in army camp in Corsham down in in the in England and my husband at the time was in the Falkland Islands and in fact he just left that day and I was really upset I had come home after dropping him off to fly uh, and decided to have a nap because I yeah like I said I was five months pregnant mm-hmm. and as I lay on the bed I did have the feeling of the black shadow in the corner and I tried to ignore it. And as I was falling asleep, something pinched my nose. It pinched my nose and I shot up, wafted away at my face because something had grabbed my nose. And that's when I would have said again, can you leave? You're scaring me now. But there was a definite pinch. And I was in that state again of half awake, half asleep. And that's probably when my brother had gone down to visit because I was on my own. Um, and I said you had to leave and a lot of the time when my brother would come I would ask him can you or if he wasn't there I would ask him can you be on the phone while I say this because I'm too scared to do it on my own yeah I would I would have to call my brother and say can you just be here while I say it and he'd go yeah sure carry on I think that's it I've okay you mentioned that at times you try to connect with the spirits aside from you know calling upon them do you ever do anything else? I, I do tarot. You do tarot? Um, yeah, I don't do it for anyone else, really. Sometimes if I am thinking about someone, their cards will pop out and they're very accurate. I mostly dip in and out to see what's going on in my life. And they're normally pretty accurate as well. Another incident that happened in Glasgow, I think it was my 12th birthday and... I had a lot of girlfriends. There were six of us. We all hung around together. And I had three of them over for my birthday when we were going to go to the movies. We had a very small cinema in Glasgow called the Grosvenor. Uh, so it wasn't a big Odeon or anything. It was a very small theatre and we were going to go and watch something. So they'd come over first. And I don't think my parents were in, you know, Gen X. We decided to try the, the Ouija board. We made yes. it. Yeah, we made it with just paper. Mm-hmm. Um, white paper we cut out the letters and wrote yes and no after we'd said is anybody there and you know we were kind of giggling and having a laugh and a joke from what I remember we didn't know to close it we didn't know 
to say goodbye mm-hmm. um and we started to get ready to go to the cinema and the fire there was a gas fire in our our second living room where we were getting ready and the fire came on and we ran out of the house and slammed the door behind us and that yeah that's we screamed we screamed we all screamed and ran <laughs> did did you ever play with it again uh, no never never and i never will and if i ever did it would never be in my own house okay and why why is that I'm afraid to attract something negative. I'm too, I'm too protective of my children. I, I wouldn't want them to to ever experience anything like that that's, that's too scary. Have you ever thought about the semantics around how it is that a board that was once used just literally as a game board, you know, for families, how it's able to create that effect that it has? I that people have, have experienced. Yeah, I think it's your intention. I, exactly. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. it's intention. Yeah. And I think a lot of your, your I thought of your, I, th- I think a lot of your life revolves around your intentions and yeah. really your conscious and subconscious thoughts. Um, but certainly when playing something like, or playing, you can't really say playing, when you're communicating through a Ouija board, mm-hmm. um, intention is really important and I think at the time when I was 12 we were looking for a scare and we certainly got one. Yes so is there anything that you would like to impart to the listeners before we end this chat? One thing I'd like to say to people is that perhaps the small things that you notice happening around you aren't so small. If I had a second chance I'd like to get to know more about them and not necessarily shoo them off so quickly because I do regret asking them to leave um, and so maybe there's something in that don't be too afraid Alright on that note we will end this conversation Jill thank you for that telling of and thank you for allowing me to be I think the first to interview you <laughs> and it's such a, a pleasure and a privilege that it's been you are the first and you're very welcome (laughs) okay so thank you and enjoy the rest of your day thank you so much thank you kelly joe did you guys have a feather materialize in your kitchen oh my god yeah just that's fantastical well we thought we were done but we were wrong Jillian and I stayed connected post-interview, and her experience with Bigfoot Feathers' dark shadows manifested within our little chick-chat. And here now is that bonus audio. For the whole day, something had been itching in my bra and poking and poking and poking, and I was pulling (laughs) and pulling and pulling. And anyway, so I was talking to my mum, And she had been on the phone to my auntie, Christine, who was my dad's sister. And she had been to a medium. And the medium said to her to watch out for white feathers. And so she told me the story. And then I said to her, will you look at my back? There was a great big white feather poking into the back of my bra and into my back. The whole day before she told me the story, poke, 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 poke. And then I said, can you, can you look? She went, it's a white feather. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Did you keep that feather? 
yeah yeah, yeah I, I yeah. keep everything <laughs> I, my house is like a I don't know a coven with mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff all over it the other day my friend my neighbor who saw the crafts with me the mm-hmm. UFOs she came around um for a cup of tea I had my tarot cards out and we were sort of just sitting chilling chatting she watched she watched it she said this feather has just fallen from nowhere and she reached out her hand and caught it and we were looking at it and it was a really very very small very I've still got it very very fine feather with a twist in it and mm-hmm. um, it was kind of luminescent I don't know in what the word is um, and I've got both of them two feathers so that one fell and as we were talking about it, another one fell. And this is in the kitchen. And she just reaches out her hand and caught them. And they were falling on, on me. <laughs> Did you guys have a feather materialize in your kitchen? Well, we don't know where it came from. She just looked up and she went, oh, stay there. Hang on. And put her hand out and caught it. And she went, look. <laughs> and it was just there on the palm of her hand. It dro- just dropped into her hand from above my head. Oh my God. Yeah. Just... That's fantastical. What do you think the connection is between UFOs and other experiences? Uh, consciousness, without a shadow of a doubt. Intention, consciousness, curiosity. Did I tell you about Bigfoot? No. So I I had a period of time and uh, when, I don't know, something came across my podcast. I can't remember which one it was. And I was fascinated that there would even be anything like that in the UK. And then I started to investigate. I, you know, I can't say that it was intensive or anything. You know, I was flipping through YouTube and things like that. And there had been a sighting. Someone had taken a picture um, going through Bristol on the train of um, a Sasquatch in the bush line. And then I found some other things about uh, Wildman in Scotland and that it was quite common. Well, not common knowledge, because that would be silly to say that about Wildman. But that there, there had been sightings and that in actual fact, Canada and Scotland had been connected thousands and thousands of years ago, which is mm-hmm. why our, our landscape looks so similar. Um, and all these little connections. And, and it, was, it was a little obsession of mine. You know, I loved listening to it. I loved watching it. I wasn't sure if it was real, you know, but it's nice to be in that sort of fantasy land sometimes. After investigating a little more, I found out that locally to me, there's a forest called um, the Forest of Dean. It's in Gloucestershire. It's a forest that's always been connected with paranormal activity, ley lines. It's ominous. There's certainly an atmosphere down there. There's mines down there where children work. There's the puzzle wood. And the puzzle wood was used in the filming of Star Wars with the Ewok. So it really, it really has an atmosphere about it. After reading about that, I decided that as it's only 40 minutes away, I would take myself and my two kids for a wander around the forest. Okay. And do some whooping calls. And my youngest one was quite excited. My oldest one was rolling his eyeballs, you know. So we got down there and... Um, decided to go for a walk and and although it's a small forest in comparison to you guys it's it's big for us um and we wandered off and we're talking about Sasquatch and I was doing some whooping and so I think that was where the intention came in because I was so enveloped in in that um 
in this new thing that I was finding out about. And we sat down and had a little bit of a picnic. And while we were eating, my youngest son said, I saw something behind the tree behind you. It looked like a leg. It looked like a white hairy leg. And so we were kind of laughing and things like that. And he was like, no, I really saw it. I really saw it. We didn't really talk much about it. We went further on into our walk. We were whooping and we had come to a sort of Y junction in the road where you could go left or right. And I hadn't been to that area of the forest before. Um, It was off the sort of cycle track that goes round there. We heard the most enormous blow bellowing whoop that I'd ever heard. And my, my youngest son, like me, was elated. And my eldest son's face had dropped and he was petrified. My, me and my youngest son were sort of giggling, let's go and find it. <laughs> <laughs> and my youngest son, my eldest son, sorry, was stomping his feet saying, we have to go, we have to go now. Mm. We had four other big, big whoops. I mean, it was like the depth of a, like of a train, really strong. There's no, there's no way I can replicate it. You know, we were sort of excited, but then I started to get a bit scared because we had to walk back through the forest yeah. to get back to the car. Um, and so I, because I'm mum, I had to, you know, calm everything down. Don't be silly. It's all just make-believe. Let's just get back to the car. Everything's going to be fine. And you have to normalise everything. Everything has to be reset, back to normal. Sure. Let's, let's come out of fantasy land because your mum's, you know, into a Bigfoot thing and get back into the car. We came back and, of course, I was intrigued by what had happened. And I went on to Facebook looking for any sort of Bigfoot sighting people in in the UK that I could speak to about it. I did find a lady and she said um, that what you've done is you've set an intention. You've gone down there and you've woken something ancient and you've had a response. And she said, don't be surprised if other things happen. And it was Mm. after that that I had my sightings. Wow. Well, I can't follow that up with anything. I mean, mm-hmm. isn't that interesting? And of course, you you have heard about the connection between them and UFOs. Mm. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And But I'm not convinced that it was Bigfoot. I think that my intention to find one was relayed, you know? I don't mm-hmm. think it's a Bigfoot walking around the Forest of Dean and had magically appeared through a portal. But I, I mean, that was a possibility <laughs> yes. in my mind. But that the intention I had set, what I was looking for, appeared for me mm. and then appeared at, by my house out of curiosity. I think maybe it came looking because we'd connected. And that only after what that lady said, she said, you've, you've, um, you've awoken something that's in a prehistoric forest and probably no one has paid any attention to it for centuries. And you've gone down there with an intention and awoken something. I can't describe it any other way. I think I woke something that day. It's curiosity came to find me. The reply that you received in the forest, there is no way, right, that it could have been a person. No, 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 no. It was the deepest, throatiest, sound like the horn on a train as it's moving the response of my children was all I had to see yeah. to know that it was real yeah. because my eldest son was instantly petrified 
petrified. He was ready to go now. And he told me, I want to go now. And he started leaving. I mean, he was, it was a bit traumatic. He was scared. It was a a bad mum moment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. He was scared. And that's when I knew I had to take it seriously and leave and change the dynamic of the conversation and lighten things up a little. One evening I was in my bed and I had gone and bought myself um, this huge mahogany 1930s wardrobe. It had sort of decorative, it was three panelled, but only the door in the middle opened. Um, Within it, it wasn't the normal horizontal rack. There were horizontal racks, but they were to your left and right um, and arched over the top. So you could put boxes on top, you know, something to hold there. Mm-hmm. And one evening I was in my bed. My cat, Sooty, of course, he's totally black, started. He was sitting at the end of the bed, meowing like crazy, looking up towards the top of the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was strange behavior, you know, and he's meow, meow, meow. I got out my phone and started to record him. I think in hindsight, he'd probably done it before. And it must have sort of triggered something in me. And I thought, I must film that. And so I started to film him. And as I was filming him, I saw two orbs. But I didn't just see them on the screen of the phone. I saw them in real life. And they passed right in front of the phone. And I thought, that's insane. And when I videoed it, I went down the side of the bed to look where they'd gone. And they'd gone. What What was that? And then he was... He jumped off the bed and went down to where they had been and was meowing around. And then he just stopped and came up and sat on the bed. And I thought, what on earth was that? And I, I looked at the video and you could see them clear as day, white orbs. And I've never caught anything like that before. And of course, afterwards, I'm wafting the bed, wondering if it's dust. And yes. Can I, can I catch the dust? And wafting things and moving around to see if I can catch it again. And you just can't. You, you can't in, because it's not dust. <laughs> right. That's so, right. Yeah, honestly. And I did. I sent that to my brother. Um, I think I've changed iPhone so many times now. It's probably lost somewhere. I asked him if um, he had a copy of the video, but I think he'd lost some things on the iCloud as well. I think these things appear sometimes um, when you're feeling a little lost. It's been a lovely chat. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay. Excellent. Take care, Kelly. Take care. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Jillian or Jill, a warm thank you again. I know it can be a daunting idea to share your encounters on such a public stage, especially for the first time. So congratulations and well done. It has been my honor that you have done so on this cast. I sincerely appreciate your contribution to this cast, Jillian. And a special warm thank you to Mr. Max McCabe for being the conduit of sorts that enabled Jill and I to connect. Hats off to you, sir. I would like to keep this cast a commercial-free zone. In light of that, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channels. All my orb videos are available by using the handle at Spirit Orb Sightings or visit my new channel with the handle at Orbital Times Podcast. If you've already subscribed, many thanks. For blogs, episodes, show notes, bios, images, and video, please visit www.orbitaltimes.com. 
If you enjoyed an episode, then please give a like or a share on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcatcher you happen to use. If you've already done so, much appreciated. Thank you for taking your time to visit these Orbical Times. Orbical Times podcast is written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Kelly Joe, at Studio Spare Room.